0: And welcome to another episode of Addiction Audio, the podcast from the journal Addiction. Uh, Today I am joined by Dr Ian Hardy from the University of Glasgow. Uh, Ian is a research assistant at the Social and Public Health Sciences Unit. Um, Dr Hardy will be talking to me today about his paper recently published in Addiction called uh, The Impact of Changes in COVID-19 Lockdown Restrictions on Alcohol Consumption and Drinking Occasion Characteristics in Scotland and England. In 2020, an interrupted time series analysis. Uh, Ian, uh, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, it's a pleasure. So, I mean, your study is looking at the the impact of of uh, COVID nineteen and lockdowns on uh, drinking levels and characteristics. I've, I've seen I've seen dozens of kind of headlines over the past couple of years that have said it's, it's gone up, it's gone down, and it's changed in this way or, or, or the other. Um, What does your research um, kind of add to this? What kind of clarity does it bring to this picture?
1: Yeah, so the study was looking at um, impact in 2020. So that kind of covered the period where the lockdown was first introduced in March that year. And then also the period where it was eased in the summer. And then also later in the year when some restrictions began to be reintroduced. And so we kind of, yeah, a lot of the studies at the time we were conducting the research were looking only at the first few months of the pandemic. So we had a kind of uh, longer time series of data. And also we had some data on um, uh, characteristics of occasions, as well as just consumption, which most previous papers tend to have. And in terms of what we had, um, uh, we found that in terms of uh, the consumption of alcohol, we found that overall uh, there weren't significant changes in total consumption uh, during Periods where lockdown restrictions changed, but there were changes in the way, the way that people were drinking and uh, how they were drinking. So f- for example, we found that throughout consistently throughout 2020 that people were drinking more at home. So that's obviously expected uh, during the time where uh, hospitality was closed in from March. But then even we found that even in the period where they were reopened. Uh, people are also all, uh, still drinking more at home and drinking less out and about than they had been previously
0: yeah it's it's fascinating I, th- I think your study adds so much so much detail to it because you know you get this kind of broad population of like there's been this change this change uh, but actually having a look at some of those characteristics and how it changed over time I think is is really uh, is really useful um so we'll, we'll come back on to some of those details in a moment um but just kind of going back to some of your methods. So you, you used uh, Kantar AlcoVision data. I mean, magnificently titled Kantar AlcoVision data. Um, what are these data and where do they come from?
1: Yeah, so Kantar is a market research company. And um, so the project that this research has uh, been with is the Social Practices and alcohol Research Collaboration or the Spark project. Uh, so we've used Cantar, AlcoVision data for a lot of papers uh, with that project. And it's essentially um, like an online survey. So the advantage of that is that uh, the pre-pandemic data was online and the pandemic data was still online collected in the exact same way, which uh, a lot of surveys during COVID had to change their methods. So that was the one of the main advantages of it. And essentially what it is, is people fill in like a seven-day drinking diary so, throughout the the past seven days, they make a, a record of every drinking occasion they had in that period. So, they uh, like would make a note of uh, what they drank, who they were drinking with, where they were drinking, uh, when they started drinking, when they ended drinking. So, it's, it allows you to pick up all these um, really like clear contextual characteristics of their drinking occasions. And because that data is collected it's a like repeat cross-section also it's collected throughout the year so you can make like a monthly time series too which uh, makes it uh, really worthwhile for looking at changes over time when big events like covid happen to see what impact that has on people's habits
0: and and they're, they're enormous sample sizes aren't they i mean it's like how, I mean how many people did you have in uh, England and Scotland? yeah, so
1: we had three hundred thousand overall so I think about two hundred and fifty thousand of them were in England and fifty thousand in Scotland, if I remember right um, but that was that was over like an eleven year period so going back eleven years but it's because it's collected continuously month by month you can kind of track track outcomes over time and then uh, yeah like use methods like interrupted time series analysis is what we use to assess um, yeah, the impact of these specific uh, inter- like intervention points at specific times. You can use them to see like, what impacts uh, things like the pandemic had on drinking habits.
0: Like making the most out of that kind of natural experiment of the, the pandemic has always had that potential to give us the natural experiment of what happens when things change. Um, I, I love I loved the fact that you, ex, you excluded whales for having a small sample size at, at 14,556. I mean, I think most studies would, would would kill for a sample size of nearly 15,000. Um, can you explain why that was, was too small a sample size to use?
1: Yeah, so like, like I said, that's like over like an 11-year period. So when you get into like the specific month-by-month month sample, it does end up getting quite small. And so, yeah, it becomes less reliable and we we did want to look at scotland because um part of the kind of the starting point for this was that i wasn't involved in it but some of the co-authors were did some work for public health scotland looking specifically at scotland and england separately so it was kind of a continuation of that using um like more uh, robust methods like interrupted time series analysis
0: um so uh, just a couple more questions on, on the method. So, um, I mean, you say you had this kind of 11-year um, set of data. Um, and you talk in your paper about um, adjusting for... So there are natural fluctuations across the year. You know, when it's summer, people have barbecues, so they tend to drink it outside of pubs, I suppose, more often. And, and in the winter, it might be colder, and that might be an influence. How did you um, account for those kind of natural fluctuations in a way that allowed you to attribute the differences to, to the kind of lockdown measures?
1: Yeah, so the we control for seasonality in the modelling through, uh, it's called, we use a method of interrupted time series analysis, it's called like SARMA modelling. So that's okay. like, um, uh, the S stands for seasonal. So that's basically you kind of put in, uh, yeah, without going into too much detail, you kind of um, put in like flags um, that allow you to control for these like consistent seasonal um, trends that you see uh, so that basically when you're looking at um, like say March, you can look at that and then take into account what's usually happening like in the same month uh, in previous years. So that allows you to control for it and try and make sure what you're seeing is the actual effect of lockdowns and not the effect of just month to month fluctuations.
0: What is the raking technique? And how does that increase representativeness?
1: Okay, so I'm probably not the person to ask for that because it was one of the co-authors is Alessandro, who's very good at all that kind of thing. So he did all that. And um, from what I understand, it it takes data from the UK census, and it, so it takes like um, all these characteristics of from the UK census. So that's like the what you want your sample to be. And then it weights the data set to try and be match up with the uk census data basically so that it's a representative sample but that's that's all i know you'd have to, to get the detail you'd have to ask <laughs> alessandro yeah i joined the when i joined the spark project it was in uh, early in 2021 and that had all already been done for me so luckily i didn't have to worry about that you you,
0: you came to the data pre-rate yeah right? like yeah okay so kind of moving back to moving back to your findings uh, now so uh, you said you found little cha- little change in the overall quantity of alcohol consumed which I think is interesting you know that's that's interesting uh, by itself but you also said that the characteristics of drinking patterns changed so what differences in drinking patterns did you observe?
1: Yeah so in terms of the characteristics uh, we found that in the periods of lockdown people were drinking slightly later in the day so that's uh, there was some concerns like early on in the pandemic that things like the furlough scheme and more people working from home increased unemployment. There were some concerns that that would mean that people would uh, just because they were either stressed or didn't have a structure in the day that they would start drinking earlier in the day. But we found that that was, it was actually the opposite of that. So people were drinking later on, which is probably because a lot of occasions in general that start earlier in the day are quite often like, people meeting up for long drinking sessions or big um, big social occasions that kind of last the whole day. Whereas when lockdowns were in place, those kind of occasions weren't possible. And um, so people were drinking later on in the day. And the other thing we found was in Scotland, there was an increase in solitary drinking in the periods where lockdowns were in place. Um, so yeah, obviously if, if people who are living alone and there's these all these restrictions on socializing then they're they were just drinking alone we've the re, we think the reason that that was we found that in scotland but not england is possibly because scotland has a higher proportion of people who live alone than england so that may be the reason for that finding yeah i i thought that would, that was really
0: interesting um I, and i didn't realize about the proportion of people who live alone um in scotland um but it's interesting to see how that kind of um those difference those Uh, cultural or uh, societal differences can make a difference to how those lockdowns uh, the impact that those lockdowns have I thought that was fascinating did you I mean did you did you pull out anything about um, the drinking characteristics of people who were previously at high drinking at high levels because I think this has been one of the questions around the pandemic is is what's happened to those people who were kind of on the edge of drinking quite harmfully
1: yeah, so because we were looking at so many different like characteristics and we were also looking at like um, on-trade, off-trade and total alcohol consumption, so the paper already had so many different models in it that we didn't really have the scope to also then break them down into different subgroups. So we were just looking at the general population in Scotland and the general population in England, so we didn't break it down further, but we do know from... Uh, other research uh, from like Public Health England have done quite a lot of research on this and we know from them that um, it's people who were previously before the pandemic already drinking at high levels have been the ones that have increased their consumption during the pandemic so um, we th- they think that that's probably contributed to the increase in alcohol-related harm that's been seen during the pandemic. Um,
0: that's that, that's really helpful thank you. Um... Uh, I mean also, I mean, I did notice in your in your study that there was there was a decline in on-trade drinking during lockdown. And part of me wants to ask, like, how is was how there any on-trade drinking in lockdown when when pubs were closed?
1: Yeah, so that was something that we were had to think about a bit because um when yeah, when lockdowns were in place, like our the consumption didn't go all the way down to zero. And there's probably a few different reasons why that could be so uh one is that um, because we had a monthly time series, we weren't able to fully accurately uh, like make a time stop where at the exact date that restrictions were in place. So it wasn't because uh, it, it's not like every day of the pandemic. So we, it was yeah. So like certain months would include some pre and post data. So that's one of the reasons. And the other reasons could be that people maybe. Uh, floating lockdown rules by keeping their pubs open but I don't know we've no way of knowing how big an issue that was and also I think during the pandemic there were some exceptions so like pe- people who are essential workers working in hotels um could they were living, staying in hotels to carry out essential work they could still legally have on-trade drinks and um, so there's a, yeah there's kind of, <laughs> it was a bit bit of a mystery so we were trying to come up with all these different reasons why it could be the case and those were the best we could think of but we do know that from other surveys in like australia there's been this same thing so um yeah it's like maybe certain issues with survey data is that um self-reported yeah you don't really know exactly where that's coming from
0: um yeah, you, you talk about your concern about um home drinking so obviously you know this isn't this whole situation isn't over and, and the long-term impact will be uh it has yet to emerge um and you comment that that home drinking has lasted beyond those lockdown periods when when pubs and uh, etc were closed um what are your concerns for that long term um you know why would such a transition be um something to either be cautious or optimistic about
1: yeah so i think um the concern is that the increase in home drinking and potential increase in solitary drinking in Scotland, if if people have picked up those habits in 2020, the concern is that they remain ingrained in their habits going forward. So, but at, at the moment we don't really know whether people will simply revert back to their pre-pandemic ha- habits as we come out of the pandemic, or whether uh, instead they pick they've pick up these habits in 2020 and then keep them going forward. So. There is a concern about home drinking, especially because it tends to be relatively under-researched. So a lot of alcohol research and policy is targeted at on-trade um, drinking, but less so on people drinking at home. So I think that's something that needs to change a bit and needs to be monitored a bit more going forward.
0: Um, and uh, what are you what are you working on next? What's your uh, what's your next project?
1: Yeah, so. At the Social Public Health Sciences unit, um, I'm kind of involved in two projects. So the first one is the Spark project that this was involved with. Mm-hmm. So I've got a, one or two other papers in, in that and um, the project's kind of meant to be looking at um, stability and change over time in the 21st century, which is why we're looking at uh, the pandemic and previous papers from Spark have looked at like the Licensing Act in 2003 and minimum unit pricing as well. Uh, but one of the uh, papers we're working on now is like an age period cohort analysis so looking at uh, changes over time in the 21st century and drinking habits and how they're related to like age period and cohort effects and um, so that's the uh, one of the papers we're working on. I'm um, also involved in a new project looking at e-cigarettes and inequalities in smoking and how they may be affected by uh, e-cigarettes so
0: Fantastic. Well, uh, best of luck with it all. Um, uh, Dr. Ian Hardy, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thanks very much. Thanks for having me.